Hey everyone, I'm Justin Fiedler and this is Dirt Tracker Conversations. Coming off the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series weekend at Bristol, I wanted to chat with one of the series' full-time drivers about the experience and who better to have than the hottest driver with the series lately. Carson Macedo joins me to talk through his Bristol experience, including his performance, whether there is a comparison for the track, how he approached the weekend, and more. We also discuss his 2021 season to date, the Ohio to California pipeline that currently includes his brother Cole, and my big championship question. Macedo is such a good guy to chat with as he's very thoughtful and his passion for sprint car racing is massive. So please enjoy my conversation with Carson Macedo. I want to start with Bristol. Obviously, you know, this past weekend, you guys have two shows at Bristol and it's, you know, something that was 20 years in the making and, and all of this kind of buildup. And, and I guess just give me your overall general thoughts on the weekend and, and what you thought about Bristol. Yeah, man, I mean, I thought it was awesome. I think that it turned out to be a really good show. I, I, I feel like the, uh, the speeds were really, really fast. I mean, I, I do think that um, it was faster than anything I've ever been on. Uh, but you know, I don't think it was, I think a lot of people thought that it was going to be a lot worse than it really was. Um, I also think that the track crew at Bristol and the equipment that they had, they did an incredible job, uh, you know, in practice night there, the track kind of came apart a little bit, uh, and they were able to, uh, go back out there, you know, fill all those holes in and really they, you know, they came around with a roller and compacted everything back down and just really did a good job. Um, you know, I was pretty impressed with, um, you know, the, all the equipment they had and the effort and time that they obviously put in to make that track what it was for us. Um, and, you know, really early in the night, I think just the bottom having so much banking, like the bottom and the top, the banking was very similar. In fact, on the top, it might have been a tad less banked, I think. Um, so the bottom was really quick throughout the early stages of the night qualifying and heat and heat race time. But um, you know, come feature time, both nights, I thought it was really good. It raced well. Uh, the track widened up and we could run top bottom, even there late in the second night, people started running right to the middle, you know? So, um, I was really impressed. I thought, uh, you know, as for my two nights performance wise, we ran third the first night and sixth uh, the second night. Uh, you know, I was, I was really going into Bristol with really, really high expectations just because, you know, JJR in the past has been so good on half miles and performed so well on those big type of racetracks. But, um, you know, overall, I thought that we had a consistent weekend. Uh, you know, there was a lot of guys that had some really bad luck and, you know, weren't able to finish events because of the wings blowing apart or engine failures or things like that. So, uh, you know, we didn't have anything, you know, like that happen. And, um, you know, luckily my race team does a really good job preparing everything. And, um, yeah, everything worked out and, and we were able to uh, salvage two really really good nights, um, you know, consistent nights. Did you approach that weekend any differently than you do any other world of outlaws race? I mean, was it kind of a, I, I guess I'm asking because, you know, from what we saw and, and what we heard kind of leading in, was this kind of like just a weekend of survival and you just kind of wanted to get out without any issues or did you just attack it? Like it was any other world of outlaws race, man, not for us. Like I was going there wanting to win, you know, I was, I was going there to attack both nights as hard as I could race as hard as I could. Um, you know, I really believe in our components and all that stuff. So none of that ever crossed my mind or worried me. Um, you know, we have really good partners and, and parts and, 
manufacturers that do a really good job and we try and cycle our stuff out as much as we can. So, uh, I was not going there just to survive man. I was going there to win. And, uh, you know, we attacked it just like we, we would any other weekend. The only, the, really the only difference in our race car, you know, I heard a lot of guys were, you know, building stronger front ends and, um, you know, doing different things that beef their race cars up, man. We didn't do any of that. All we did was, um, basically add another strap to our left side wing board um just to make sure that it was nice and sturdy and instead of four we had five so uh whether that made a difference or not i'm not sure i mean our wings stayed together so uh you know that that's a good thing but um no i, I mean I, I myself and jjr as a team you know philip clyde and nate we all just attacked it just like any other weekend i mean every single night with the world of outlaws is worth the same amount of points. So I think you have to go in every night with the, uh, the attitude to uh, go there and do your best and win, you know, but I mean, I did hear that there was some guys just looking to survive and get through it. Um, but that's just not, you know, you know, for me, like as a race car driver, that's never been my mentality. And the day that it is, man, I probably, I probably won't be doing it anymore. Now that you've done it, does it compare to any other track you've raced at any other track on the schedule? You know, you know, the track just got so much banking in the corners. So we don't really go to a racetrack that's that big that has, I mean, we go to racetracks that are that big. Port Royal is similar in size, right? But it's, it's the transition and the banking that's so drastic. Like, you know, you Port Royal, you, you run down the straightaway and you run into 11 10 degrees of banking i mean that place is 20 19 somewhere around there right so it's a pretty big transition and you're just so locked into the racetrack because of that banking um we really had to do different things to our car to try and to try and just get you know get through the corners as quick as we could without getting too tight or lugging the engine down just because you're you're so plugged into the banking so um you know all in all i think that we go to really big racetracks like port royal and eldora and I mean, it's not like it's nothing that we've ever seen before, um, but it definitely uh, has its own characteristics like that. I mean, that the, the banking is, um, you know, when it's fast, like it was early the second night where we were all, I think there was 17 guys in qualifying that were under the track record. I mean, man, you're hauling the mill around that place and any little twitch when you're plugged into the banking that hard. Uh, you know, moves your car around. So it's just really, really critical to uh, keep the wheel straight and make sure that you're cutting through the wind and making momentum. How did you feel after the weekend? I would imagine there's probably a lot more load on your body, but were you sore your neck or anything afterwards? Man, not at all. Um, you know, I work out every day. Um, every day that's not a race day, I basically am in the gym uh, making sure that I'm fit and in shape. I feel like that's our job as race car drivers. I mean, we're professional athletes. I feel like we should be in the, in the gym every day. Um, you know, you don't see football players and basketball players and baseball players not in the gym. Um, so I feel like that's our job to be doing that. And, um, you know, that's, I, I, you know, I never really, unless I wreck really hard, I hardly ever get really sore or um, have any kind of complications the next day. So, um, you know, I, I like to think that's because i do have such a strong workout plan, but, um, yeah, I, I didn't feel fatigued at all or sore the next day. Um, 15 races in right now. How do you feel so far about things and, and kind of where you sit in the points and, and all that stuff? 
I feel like, man, my season's been like up and down, like a little bit of a roller coaster so far. So, you know, we started on like an ultimate high, what I thought was an ultimate high. You know, we we were able to do really well down in Volusia, run, you know, top 10, top five every night uh, and then basically leave Volusia. We took a month off there just because of weather and races getting canceled because of all the weather conditions. Um, and then, you know, basically went back to Volusia for that first night one. Uh, ran third the next night and we're off to an extremely good start. I, I think we're leading the points at one point and then, um, you know, had some really bad luck uh, and, and bad, you know, a bad night and then some bad luck. Um, you know, Mongolia, Mag, uh, we uh, broke a set of quick change gears in the feature and that kind of gives us a DNF. So that was tough. Um, just, I mean, total, you know, never one of those, fluke deals that usually never happens, you know, ha happen to happen to us. So, um, and then after that, uh, at Cotton Bowl Speedway, I wrecked twice in one night. We were, we were able to salvage, I think, a 15th out of that. Uh, we were able to get back out, which was huge and big testament to my guys. But, um, you know, since then, man, we've been like on the mend. It's been really good. We've, you know, we, we clicked off a win there at Hobstock. We ran really well at Kokomo. Uh, we ran well this past weekend and consistent. And I think we're uh, you know, now in third and points back, back in, you know, in contention, I feel like. So, uh, you know, those top seven or eight spots are really close, uh, but it's a long season. Like you said, we're 15 races into an 80 some, you know, 90 race schedule. So it's, uh, we're, we're just beginning and, you know, the points don't matter, but it does give you an idea of your consistency and what you're doing night in night out. But overall, I'm really happy with JJR speed. I'm, I'm happy with um, my race team. I mean, we got really good guys in Clyde Knipp and Nate Rapids, um, doing a really good job. Obviously, Philip Dietz is incredible. Uh, and we have partners. I mean, our sponsors are really happy and, uh, you know, they're in it for the long haul in the future. So that makes me happy as a driver. Uh, like you mentioned, you start off the, the year, you know, you get the all-star win, you get a couple outlaw wins and, and you know, one here recently, you know, you've started really fast and I, I'm curious you know, now that you're in year three, what do you think the difference has been here the last couple of months to start the season? Is it, is it you, have you learned more or is it JJR? Is it Phil? Like, is it the combination of you guys? Where do you kind of equate that? You know, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I feel like JJR in general is a team that has really built strong over the course of the time that it's been on the world of outlaws Tour. I mean, you know, this isn't something that fit what Phil's, you know, the program that he's built, the components he uses, um, and even his, you know, knowledge wasn't built in, in a day. I mean, they've been on the Outlaw Tour now for a few years. Jason, obviously, um, did an incredible job building this team and, uh, and, and you know, spent a lot of time developing and researching what exactly works well together as a combination. And um, they just have a really good package, man. They, you know, they learned a lot. I think Phil learned a lot in the last couple of years racing after Jason with David Gravel, um, you know, and, and really had a lot of success together. So, you know, and then as for me, you know, I, I mean, coming from KLR, like you said, two years of experience now, full-time on the Outlaw Tour, even though last year wasn't a full year, we still ended up running quite a bit of races. So, um, you know, I just think, you know, the first year you're going to new racetracks you've never been to a lot of the times. Uh, you're, you're learning new things and, you're just trying to belong. And the second year is kind of, you know, you hope to come and outperform the first year. So the pressures are a little higher. And then the third year you kind of settle in and, 
just start executing what you know. You're a little bit more confident and comfortable, uh, you know, every night. And you have an idea of pretty much every racetrack that you're going to for the most part. Um, and, and then, you know, I think just like you said, working with somebody like Philip, that's really has an established program. I think just putting the whole combination together has been um, really nice. And I think added, you know, hopefully to uh, to my success and, and this year being a little bit more consistent. You know, another thing that we struggled with last year with the two car uh, was just to get qualified. You know, there was times where we, we wouldn't qualify super well. And I don't really know why, to be honest with you. I, I, I can't pinpoint it and I still couldn't. Um, but we just struggled sometimes timing in. And, you know, for whatever reason this year, I've been able to time in a little bit better. And, um, you know, last year I feel like I was a hard charger like all the time. So it's so much easier to to uh, to do well, right, when you, when you start in these feature races because man like you know it's no secret like the world of outlaws is so tough when you're starting 10th on back it's it's very very hard to win uh win these races so now that this is your third year and as you kind of look back over the last couple and, and what we see this year i'm wondering about the level of competition this year it seems like things have ratcheted up just a little bit and it's like you know you've got the normal guys brad donnie and and you know now you throw logan on the rise you're in there gravel um you know Reitzel coming in as a rookie like is it from where you're sitting does it feel like it's ratcheted up like it has for us watching man i think that this is the toughest the world of Al has ever been um, depth wise, in my opinion, it's, it is extremely ratcheted up. Uh, I think it's just, um, you know, throughout the field, you see so much depth in guys that can win on any given night that are following the series full time. Like to me, it's crazy that Aaron Reitzel is a rookie because it's like, you know, this guy is one world of outlaw races. And I mean, and I had won a couple of outlaw races too, before I got on the road, but, but he, he just, you know, ran so much with the all-stars and I felt like ran so many outlaw races prior to that hit or miss throughout the years over the last, I don't know how many years. So it's, so him coming in, it doesn't feel like he's a rookie. I mean, he's obviously doing a really good job and has a lot of speed um, on any given night. So, but I mean, you look at, like, like I said, Brad, Donnie, you know, you got Logan, who's kind of coming into his own and performing as a championship guy. Now you got David, um, Sheldon, you know, Sheldon has been running really well lately. Uh, you know, I feel like Brock Zierfoss is another addition that, you know, he's, he won World of Outlaw Race before he's on the tour. Um, Parker, uh, Parker Price Miller. You know, there's just so many good guys now that any given night could win. And if you look at the points, I mean, the, the top eight or nine are, are really, really close. You know, and then we even have the guys that are bouncing in and out running with us that I think perform really well too, you know, with Gio uh, sells you the 18 car, you got Spencer Basin running um, Bernie stuff in the 71, um, you know, and then the all-star guys come over and race with us. Sam Hayford. He's been really good. He was really fast at Bristol. Um, I just think that there's so many good cars and on any given night, like even at Bristol, you know, we only had 28, 29 cars, but man, it was a solid field. Like, almost anyone there could have won. So um, I think sprint car racing in general is in a really good place. I definitely think that the world of outlaws, not only in their driver lineup, but in their partners in the racetracks that are getting involved, the, the dirt vision now, how big dirt vision has become and all the live broadcasts. And it's just sprint car racing in general, man, I just think is in a really, really good place.
One of the changes for you this season has been your off-season surgery, and I'm curious how that's affected you, you know, to start the season, kind of being able to breathe better now in the race car. Man, it's been huge. You know, I, I, uh, I couldn't say it enough. Like if somebody came up to me and said, Hey, I got a deviated septum and I want some advice on what I should do. I'm an athlete or any kind of, uh, you're in any kind of, even just in my general life, man, it's been huge. I don't get sick anymore. Uh, like I'm not going to say anymore, but very less often. Like I got my tonsils out, which was huge because I was getting strep throat multiple times a year. And I mean, you know, as well as I do, like if you're going to the racetrack and you're not feeling well or you're feeling under the weather, like you're not going to perform as well. It's just, that's just natural. You, you know, when you don't feel good, um, it's hard to give the effort that you have to give to perform 30 laps in a sprint car race at 110%, you know, so just, not not having to worry about getting strep throat and and getting tonsillitis anymore has been huge. Uh, and then, you know, my septum surgery, I mean, it just speaks for itself. Like, man, I can breathe amazing. Like better. I didn't even realize how bad it was, you know, like how bad it, it just it's crazy. But I didn't even realize, you know, and now it's like amazing. And then when I would get sick, it was the same way. You know, I'd get sick and I would and I would get stuffed nose. And then I immediately get a sinus infection on that side of my face because, you know, it just wouldn't drain. And, and, um, man, it's been, uh, incredible. I'm so glad I did it. Um, you know, all the time in the past, I would go to Australia in the off season, which don't get me wrong. I was incredibly disappointed that I didn't get to do that this past year. It was, um, really disappointing for me, not just because of the racing over there, but more so because Sean and Felicity Dyson, um, complete parking equipment, they're sponsoring the 41 car and, very very close friends of mine like they're like family to me so to not be able to go over there and spend time with them this past offseason sucked uh but man i i do think that it was worth you know staying home getting those things fixed because it's made a difference not only in my racing i think and in my career but just in my life in general so um i'm really really happy it was probably two and a half to three weeks of hell after getting it done, just because, man, I mean, if you could imagine, like I had these stents all in my nose, plus it was Christmas, like literally two or three days before Christmas would suck, but I had these stents that were all the way up into my nose. And then I had my tonsils, so I couldn't breathe out of my nose at all. And then I had to like mouth breathe and my tonsils hurt. So it was just, it was hell, man, especially sleeping at night, but man, it was worth every, every bit of two weeks of hell to have a lifetime of, you know, ease and happiness and and no more of that laying you know i'd be in the middle of nowhere in north dakota or or somewhere that i you know have nobody in in a hotel room by myself with tonsillitis or strep throat and that ain't fun you know yeah for sure uh busy weekend this weekend jacksonville uh as as we talk jacksonville tomorrow night on thursday and then i-70 this weekend you are the most recent winner at jacksonville and then the series hasn't been to i-70 in a really long time so tell me about the weekend and, and your approach to it and I love Jacksonville. Um, you know, I've only been there twice in a wing sprint car, I think. Uh, three times. I ran a MOA show there for um, Jimmy Davies back in 2016. And then I ran 2019. We actually raced uh, the first show there was in April, I think, or, or May. And it got rained out. But I sat on the pole that night and then it got rained out. And then we came back and I actually won uh, later in September of 2019. So. I love Jacksonville. I, I, I just think it's a bull ring. It fits my driving style a little bit, especially growing up in California. So 
I'm extremely excited to go there, um, you know, tomorrow night. Uh, and then as for I-70, I've never been there. I've watched a couple of videos, actually, that they put out some 360s um, just running around there testing. And it seems like it'll be a, a pretty good racetrack. I know, um, you know, there's a lot of promotion going into it. And hopefully we get a big turnout. And, um, yeah, hopefully the racetrack race is good. It's hard to it's hard to really get it like not, not that I don't get excited, but it's hard to get pumped up or this or that when you don't really know what to expect yet. So. Um, you know, we'll just roll in there with an open mind and give it our best effort. Uh, I talked to Jacob Horde last week. Jacob is on the Ohio Dirt Track podcast and, and uh, writes for Ohio Dirt. We were talking actually kind of about your brother and, and the situation in Ohio. And it seems like all of a sudden we have this like California to Ohio pipeline. And it's like, you did it, your brother's doing it. We saw Buddy Kofoid do it. And, you know, for what you went through and, and what you're seeing your brother go through, why do you think that's valuable for, for guys to come out of California and then come race in Ohio? Well, I mean, the number, I, mean, I could tell you the number one reason easily, but before I go into that, I think Ohio has just got a lot to offer. Um, there's just so many racetracks that race every single weekend. It's just a lot like Pennsylvania. I feel like if you're going to go wing sprint car racing full time on a local level, you either race in Ohio or Pennsylvania. Um, so, you know, Pennsylvania, with that being said, like Pennsylvania is such a stretch, right? Like to come from California straight to PA would be a tough transition just because the racetracks are so much different. Like we're used to like little tiny quarter mile bull rings, you know, and then to just go straight from that to Williams Grove, Port Royal, you know, BAPS and Lincoln and oh, Grandview and all them tracks would be pretty intimidating. And I think would maybe be such a big transition that it would be, it'd take a lot more time, I think, to get comfortable where, if you kind of make that transition from California to Ohio to some slick, smaller racetracks and then start to work your way into Pennsylvania a little bit, um, I think that's just a little bit better of an approach. Uh, but, man, the number one reason that I think you see that happening is really just because of the, the Lender family. Um, you know, I in 2016, I was lucky enough to meet them through Jason Myers. I went to the PRI show with Jason Myers and actually – Brian Bloomfield, one of Jason's past crew chiefs, introduced me to Craig and Les Mintz. And at the time, Craig and Les Mintz had fielded a car the year before that for Chris Andrews. Um, and the Lender family took care of that car. So when I filled that Chris had made the you know transition to racing for a different team that following year, and I had the schedule basically that they wanted to run. They didn't want to run full-time. I was running a midget part-time for Keith Coons. Uh, and then had to fill in my schedule with sprint car races in Ohio. And they're just such good people, man. Like they took care of me. Um, they, they really made me feel at home and, you know, they, they're really, really good mechanics in that area. They race, they race our, you know, Mike grew up racing there. Uh, his brother, Steven worked on his car and, and now they've kind of just basically, um, created an Avenue where they work on other people's cars. So, uh, with Buddy, it was Ed, Ed Neumeister was our car owner. And then Ray, this Ray Brooks now that owns Cole's team uh, was sort of a sponsor on that team. And then now Ray's went on on his own. Ray Brooks went on his own and, you know, created his own team for my brother, and which was amazing, man. Like, I just think that was um, a really cool deal. You know, Cole ran some races last year with Jay Kaiser and, um, you know, went through a little bit of a learning curve, I think, on his end. And, and you know, just – 
it got him out there, you know, and got him, you know, to meet everybody. And he was living with the Linder family. And now, you know, obviously Ray Brooks has made this team and he's racing with them and, uh, you know, doing a really good job. They've won a race now and are starting to see results and consistency, I think, throughout, throughout, you know, each week of racing. So I think more than anything, man, it just has to do with them. Like, I, you know, when I went and ran with them, I realized how good they were and, how much they helped me progress in my career and so I mentioned them hey you know if you get an opportunity to put somebody in a car you need to look at this buddy Kofoid kid he's really good and doing a really good job out there and so they put buddy in their car and they were happy with him and the way he drove and and then buddy I mean I mean you could see buddy's just got a lot of talent so it was only a matter of time before Buddy kind of moved on and now racing more nationally with with other other teams like KKM and um, and sorts like that, but no, it's, it's a good position now that my brother's in, I think he has the opportunity to do the same, you know, if he can work hard enough and get the results and show that he has that kind of potential, um, you know, I think he'll eventually, you know, hopefully graduate on to a team that'll run the all-stars full time. And then from there, maybe, maybe get on the world of outlaw tour, um, like I did over the years. So, um, I just think that, you know, the biggest reason right now that you're seeing that out of the drivers that you named is because of the Linder family and the opportunity that's there. Um, but I do think it's the best transition um, with the most amount of racing available on a local level. So um, I think those two things definitely play into it the most. I mean, you see like, you know, Pennsylvania weekly racing is very, very tough and you have to really have a, a good car and people that know what they're doing on the mechanic side and PA just because the racetracks are so different. Uh, well, I appreciate the time today. I'll let you go on this. It's kind of a big question. So uh, <laughs> I, I apologize for that part of it, but this week on my daily show, I kind of brought up this question about do kind of season long championships in, in dirt racing matter. And, and I talked to Paul Nienheiser about this yesterday and, and I want to ask you the same thing from where you're sitting, do dirt racing championships matter to the drivers? And, and obviously you're in a unique position because you race full-time with the world of outlaws. And I would imagine that's a championship you probably want pretty badly. Um, but you know, as you're coming up and, and things like that, do championships mean maybe more to fans or, or more to the media than they do to the drivers? Do you think? Man, I think that, um, you know, I think it depends on what you're running for. Uh, but, I will say for me, like, that's, that's something that I've always, that's the world of, first of all, the world of outlaw, being a world of outlaw champion is my ultimate goal. Like everything I want to do in racing, don't get me wrong. I want to win big races. I want to win the Knoxville nationals. I want to win the crown jewel events, you know, the Ironman, the Knoxville nationals, um, you know, the, the, the Kings Royal, all those big races, but man, I really would, my ultimate goal is to win a world of outlaw championship. I just think that's the, you, when you win a world of outlaw championship, you stamp yourself in as you were the best driver that year that performed on the world of outlaws or were the best guys in the world at, at, at what you do in the discipline. So I just think that's the ultimate feat. You know I mean? An outlaw championship is tough to win. 90 races is uh, you don't just luck into one of those championships. There's no way in the world anybody lucks into an outlaw championship. Like if you win an outlaw championship, you earned it 100%. So, um, you know, that's my ultimate goal. And that means a lot to me. Uh, and it's something that I work towards. And I think about how can I do that? What, what, what little things can I do in my daily life every day to get to that goal faster? 
Um, and the people that are involved in, in me, uh, involved with my racing and that have supported me over the years, Tommy Tarleton and Sean Dyson and, you know, Jason Myers. And I've had, you know, some new, uh, you know, sponsors all come on board here lately as well. And obviously all JJR's partners, that's what they want as well, you know? So, um, that's the common goal we're all working towards. But I mean, I think that they mean a lot, even in other divisions. When I was racing with Joe Gertie in the three G car, I wanted to win the all-star championship. I, you know, I ended up coming short. I ended up running second to Aaron Reitzel in the driver's points, but, but, it, but it was interesting every week because we were going back and forth that year. I mean, I had led, he led, I led, he led, and he ended up, you know, winning it in the end, um, did a really good job, but I, uh, you know, when I was in California, that was my ticket really that got me out of California. I had ran the year prior to that. I had won a World of Outlaw race at Chico. Uh, and I, I begged Tarleton's, you know, I want to win. I want to run for the King of the West Championship. That's all I want to do. I don't care if I don't run another race. I want to run for King of the West Championship. That was our pinnacle. That was our World of Outlaws. That was our All Stars of California. So, you know, we ended up running for that championship that year. Uh, we started out just to see how we would do and, and ended up winning it. And that was kind of my ticket. You know, once I won the championship, they, you know, I asked them to bring their stuff to the Midwest and they weren't really interested in that, but kind of gifted my gift from them to do the uh, KKM ride. They ended up paying for me to go race with Keith for a year. So, you know, it's what helped me get out of California. I just feel like when you win a championship, you are the best, most consistent car over the course of a season. I think that that's really important. Um, you know, and I feel like it takes a different mentality to win championships. Uh, you know, you have to, you know, basically minimize risk sometimes. Uh, but at the same time, you know, nobody wants to win championships and not win races. So, um, you know, you still take risks. You still try and win races. But, you know, the nights when you're, Sometimes maybe an eighth or ninth place car, you might run sixth or fifth, but you know, you might not, you might not take the risk to crash it for one of those positions. So I just, I do feel like, um, you know, it takes not only being a great, uh, talented driver, but also a smart racer and, and having a good team behind you that makes sure that your car finishes that race every night as well. Well, Carson Macedo, I certainly appreciate the time today. Um, appreciate you taking some time out of a, a busy World of Outlaws week, but uh, good luck this weekend and good luck, good luck the rest of the season. Yeah, man. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Through my time on Open Red and now this show, I've gotten to speak to Carson on several occasions and I've always come away impressed by his answers. I appreciate him taking some time out of a busy week for the Outlaws to chat with me. Make sure you catch Carson and the Outlaws this weekend at Jacksonville Speedway and I-70 Motorsports Park. You can find the Dirt Tracker podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. You can also watch the shows on YouTube. For more cool dirt racing stuff, visit DirtTracker.com and follow Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.